Welcome to Write to Read Podcast, a page in the life of an author. I'm Liv Macy, and these are my pages. Page five. This is the episode that I interview Heather Creedon, who is a fantastic PA. She has numerous author services, and she's just simply wonderful. I'm also going to go over author updates. I don't want to go into it here because I know that it's going to be super long. However, I just want to say I'm sorry I've been sick and life has happened. It's been a while, but I'm back. We have reached the Beyond the Blurb segment of the podcast which is one of my favorite parts of the show. Here I can have the best of both worlds to give my listeners the opportunity to hear about books that may otherwise not have crossed their path. And also to give authors a space to share their book on a wide platform for zero cost. But unfortunately it comes with a caveat. There's just no way that I can read every single book that has been highlighted or ensure that the authors or the works aren't problematic or offensive. I simply don't have the time. And as such, I must say that I do not endorse any of the books within this show. However, I do hope that you find something amazing. Happy reading. Hi, everyone. My name is Najee Jamerson, and I want to tell you about my book, Souls Aligned. Souls Aligned is a love-at-first-sight lesbian romance between Logan Maddox and Amaris Cole. A chance meeting at a wedding changes their lives forever. An instant connection is formed between Logan and Amaris the moment they lay eyes on each other. Amaris, being the free-spirited person she is, embraces their connection and is willing to pursue it to see where it might land. But Logan doesn't feel the same way. Well, that's what she tells herself. Unfortunately, Logan is battling a life-threatening condition, which she's chosen to close herself off from falling in love with anyone. She couldn't bear leaving someone behind, heartbroken. But Amaris is persistent as she tries to figure out what Logan is hiding from her. As time passes and Logan's condition worsens, Logan has to decide if she's going to tell Amaris the truth and finally open her heart to love. Logan and Amaris must decide if they're willing to fight for a connection that just might be fate. Hi, I'm Justine Manzano, and I'm here today to talk about the third book in the Keys and Guardians series, Keys of the Dawn, which will be released by Sword and Silk Books on February 13th, 2024. The Keys of the Dawn is about Jacqueline and Kip, who are our heroes, and they actually died at the end of the second book. But when book three starts, they have been returned to our world. They wake up where they died, and they are very confused and don't know how because they had sacrificed themselves to seal rifts between dimensions. And so they have no idea why they're back. But the story follows them as they return to their lives a year and a half after they left and find their family and friends and the, you know, the, the order of the key and rejoin. Kip, who had been wounded 
by a reopening wound. They're, they can't seal it. It just keeps reopening, even when he dies and comes back, because that is an ability they have in the series. So even when he dies and comes back, this wound just returns. And he's trying to find the key to how to seal this thing permanently and get back to his life because he is you know, continually dying of this wound. Jacqueline, on the other hand, while yes, she is very worried about Kip, is trying to figure out why the rifts have reopened, why the work that they did and the the willing sacrifice they made was reversed. And so she starts investigating because only a skeleton key can open these rifts and they're very rare. So they're, the whole pursuit is them trying to, is her trying to figure out like who did it, especially because most of them are part of her family. So she's trying to understand like why her kids would have done that. And so through that journey, she ends up uncovering a revenge plot against her and trying to save the world basically because she discovers a plan to turn the dimensions inside out and destroy both of their worlds. And so she's just trying to find her way to an answer. Kip is has to go into the other dimension that they fight with in the search for his answers and ends up embroiled in a political war with the ruling family there. So they're they're split up again in their stories. They both have points of view and all of it ends the series. This is the the last book. And so when they finally do come together again at the end, a lot is revealed and the series will come to a satisfying conclusion. Hi, my name is Greta Picklesheimer. I'm the author of Second Chance at Happiness. It's about two wounded hearts finding a second chance at happiness in the hills of Kentucky. The book is set in, in a post-Civil War era. Catherine Reed, uh, her husband dies in a logging accident. She comes home and uh, reunites with her long-lost love, Samuel Harris. They both have secrets. They both need to uh, find healing. And one of the highlights in the book is that Catherine believes anyone who wants to learn should be allowed to learn. She's quick to find a town that's divided on the issue as she and Samuel set out to change people's minds in a post-Civil War era can they find themselves drawn to each other? And this setting is fictitious town in Kentucky. Kentucky was split during the Civil War. And because Catherine is the school teacher, basically they fight for this cause. And uh, the town then decides, most of the town decides that the children, that all children can come to the school and learn. So that's basically what my book is about. You can pick it up on Amazon. Thank you for allowing me to talk about my book. I don't even know where to start, actually. Um, it's been a long, a long year. 
it's not even March yet. I had to take off from doing this podcast. I had um, a death in the family. I had to put down a family pet. I had deadlines I could not meet. I had a mental breakdown. And a lot of that was things that I had done to myself, Uh, mainly because I am a self-published author. I create my own deadlines. And yeah, I definitely did it to myself. I did not heed warnings of burnout. My body broke down. I had health flares all through December and January, and um, I'm still battling sicknesses. I could not do the podcast at all because there was weeks that I was speaking through my nostrils so bad that you could not even understand what I was saying. It was so nasally. I had a cough. I had the flu. I had, I lost my voice at one point. So it's been, it's been a, a uh, very long year so far. I'm still not completely back. I'm sure you can hear a difference in my voice. It is still a little nasally. I'm still having sinus issues. And of course, springtime is right around the corner, which means my allergies are going to kick up a notch. All of this to say that as an author, it is your responsibility to yourself to monitor yourself, to monitor your health, to monitor your mental health, to try to avoid breakdown and burnout as much as possible because the recovery time is a lot longer when you have been pushing yourself to the limits for an entire year or more. Some people don't break down and don't hit burnout for an even longer time period. Others, it's shorter. Everybody's different, as is the case with all of publishing. Everything is, everybody's path is different. Um, and so it is in your best interest to always look out for yourself to know the warning signs and the symptoms before they get full-blown and to take care of yourself and, you know, not be sitting here wondering how to tackle the mountain of things that you have had to stop and not work on because you were ill. So as far as author updates, I'm still plugging along. Book four is not going to come out in the spring, obviously. It's looking at as a summer deadline. I'm very hesitant to make a deadline now. I completely wary of burnout. I do not want to hit that again. And because I do have a mountain of things that I have to do that I, I let slide while I was recovering and recuperating and spending time with my family during some of the harder times, uh, I, I'm not sure that I want to do a deadline. I still have every intention of putting out two books a year. Um, Maybe not this year, but for the most part, every year, two books a year. Uh, I just don't think I'm going to pick an actual deadline. This is really rambling and in a roundabout way of saying that I'm going to keep plugging along. I'm going to take my time and, and write the next book. And after that, I'll write the next book. And after that, I'll write the next book. Um, but I'll be building in time for rest and relaxation and family time and 
I am committed to making this a marathon, not a sprint. I am here for the long haul. I have many books planned for the future in this series. And the last thing I want to do is stop mid-series because I can no longer continue. And so I'm going to take a little bit of a step back and take a little bit longer to publish the next one and hope that that is going to be enough. As you know, this space is reserved for those who want to pay to be on this podcast as a form of advertising. The last several weeks, of course, I have not been able to do anything with the podcast, let alone have somebody um, interested in advertising in this space here. So as usual, this episode is brought by me, Liv Macy. So if you want to be here, you can contact me. The show notes will have links to Google Forms to fill out. And now, please join me for a conversation around the laptop. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, I I just woke up. I'm still sipping on my first couple sips of coffee in my little gnome mug. Oh, I love gnomes. Me too. Um, so for the listeners who don't know, Heather is my PA who does a fantastic and wonderful job. However, she doesn't just work for me. She runs Creed Reads, which is her business. And you enjoy books in all forms. So you have also, you also do editing. You don't do it for me because I have an editor as well, but you also edit books for other people. Is that correct? I do. What is your favorite part about editing other books? I get to read them before other readers as selfish as that is <laughs> that is kind of selfish how come you don't share the love oh I do I share the reactions um I share whatever the authors will let me share but I, I like that I get kind of a sneak peek before yeah. before even the arc readers oh before arc readers too yeah nice. and beta readers or like it depends on what stage of editing I'm helping with that's cool. So do you feel like pressure besides just editing, right? Like just actual pressure. Like, do you ever feel like, okay, this hasn't gone to a beta reader. Are they going to really want like my reactions or am I strictly editing? Like, do you do both? Like, how do you? So for developmental edits, it's totally up to the author. If they want to have alpha and beta readers, I would personally recommend it. Um, before developmental editing, but that's not always the case. And I don't, I don't tend to really talk on developmental edits because there's still so many changing pieces. If it's Mm. like a copy edit or proofread, the story is pretty much done. It's just being polished. So that's when I feel like reactions and helping to hype up authors and their stories is, is the area which I'll do that. Okay. So I find it interesting. I have heard this before. I don't do that in my process. So 
people have said do beta reading and alpha reading before it goes to developmental edits. Why is that? Because I do that afterwards. Like for me, when I, like my goal as a, as personally as an author for beta readers is once the story is mainly set, I want it to go out to readers to see if they, um, if they have questions, if they're like, oh, this is great, but you're, what, what happened here? Which is where I feel like there, that's where I need to kind of like finesse. Whereas for me, I feel like a developmental editor is helping me with any plot holes and stuff like that, that are glaring or, um, because I don't see them either, like personally. So why do you feel like it's better to be beforehand? Um, especially for alpha readers, maybe not so much so for beta readers, but your alpha readers are, tend to be a free resource. So having them pick up on those plot holes or the developmental aspects before sending off to a de developmental editor is going to help fill in some of those gaps so that your developmental editor can fill in any of the other gaps and the bigger holes have already been filled in. So the smaller ones are the ones that, that stand out more in the story and can be addressed. Okay. So it's not a matter of like, this sounds really bad, making your job easier, but like, right. instead it's just a matter of you can focus better. Right. Okay. That kind of makes sense. I don't know that I would change my process for that, but <laughs> that everyone has their own process and they have to find what works for them. Listen, I have been doing interviews all week and the theme that's consistently coming up is that anything related to books is every path is different. Every author is different. Every yes. book is different. Like every, every single aspect has so many different branches that you can possibly go off to that I, it really is kind of amazing because to me, even when I first started writing, I mean, I, obviously I'm a creative, right? Because I'm writing all these different stories, but I always had this narrow minded kind of view about what should be quote unquote mm -hmm. in, in certain things. And I, every time I turn around, there's always something new and something different and something I hadn't thought of. And I always wonder if that's like, uh, like a learning process, like a learning style type of thing. Like everybody's learning style is different Yeah. or it's just, it's so, it's so bizarre to me. <laughs> like some of this stuff, like, I just don't know how, how people create these things or, or think of like the different paths. Um, but yeah, so, okay. So that's your favorite part editing. What's your worst part about editing? Um, so you know how authors will say imposter syndrome mm -hmm. edit? Well, I get that as well, that I, that I'm not going to catch everything that something's going to go wrong, that I'm going really just miss something. And, and yeah, we're all human. So there is a level of not expectation, but almost leniency that one or two things might slip through. And that's what a lot use their arc readers for is to find those little pieces that might have gotten missed. But that I think that's the worst part is knowing that there's always going to be a chance that I do miss something. Like that pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can totally see that because I have heard, um, 
I mean, even myself, like I, I go through the developmental edits and I go through, which with one editor, and then I go through, you know, beta readers with, uh, I usually do five or six through a service. Um, I personally do that because I want beta readers to be anonymous to me. Um, so they don't feel any kind of obligation whatsoever about, you know, hurting my feelings or, or anything along those lines. Um, and then I have, you know, a, a different copy editor and I have a different formatter and there are still things that like, I'll be listening to my own book or I'll read my own book after it's in print. And I'm like, Oh, I, I missed that spelling error. And they missed it. Like, it's just, it just happens. And you're just like, wait, how did five, six different people miss the same thing? But like you, you do your, well, first of all, your brain kind of, you know, just Im imposes what it's supposed to be there. Imposes. No, that's not the right word. I, I can word, I promise, but it's not, it's not imposes. <laughs> Yeah, it just, it replaces what's wrong and puts the right thing in it. So that means your brain is working really well. <laughs> yes, not currently. Currently, I need more coffee because <laughs> I can't word, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so. So, yeah, I mean, I can, I can totally see how that pressure could be, you know. Imposter syndrome sucks, like, all around. Like, it just. Yeah. It's so Everyone shitty. has it, no matter yeah, what they're doing. It's so shitty. I was just uh, working on um, episode one, which comes out next Monday. And one of the things we talked about is like that validation that authors kind of look for and, and want to feel. And it just, it sucks. I wish I was confident enough. I feel like I'm confident enough sometimes where I'm like, oh yes, this is amazing. But that imposter syndrome still just kind of lurks there and is like, mm -hmm. really? Really, are you? <laughs> yeah. It's like that evil, the devil on your shoulder. Yeah, it's horrid. I don't know why we can't just knock that bitch off. Right? <laughs> I mean, you know. But, okay, so I mentioned formatting because I know you format my books. I do. Um, you offer that service to other people? I do offer it to other people. Uh formatting books is a lot of fun. You can be creative to to a point, especially with chapter chapter headings and having them be more artistic has become more popular. So whether they want you know a, um, a dragon on their chapter headings or a wolf on there depending on what their story is or that's a lot of fun to be creative in that aspect more than just yeah, you put the information there, you make every, make sure everything looks okay, but when you can be creative as well, it becomes even more enjoyable. Yeah, the idea of formatting is not fun for me at all in any <laughs> any aspect of that. I'm listening to you going, dragons, wolves, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like for me, this is why I need you because I cannot, That that would be a form of like, drudgery hell for me I well that's I okay that you can continue to need me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I I just yeah I can't I'm so glad that there are different type of people in the world who enjoy different aspects of different things because I 
I think I would, as much as I love writing books, I think I would not, I would not publish if I had to do all of the things myself because I, I'm, I'm kind of selfish in that way. I don't want to do anything I don't want to do. Uh, I mean, we all kind of procrastinate when we get to that stage of stuff, but like, I really don't want to do it. (laughs) And I'll just, I'll just keep putting stuff off and putting stuff off and putting stuff off. And I don't think I'd ever actually publish if I had to do all of the things. And the authors that do that, that, um, you know, design their own cover and then they write their book and, um, you know, they might get an editor here and there for different aspects, you know, but then they, they format it and they do all of the marketing and they do, they learn all of the ads and all that stuff. Like I am incredibly impressed with the people that are able to do that because I, yeah, that, that's, that sounds like the worst, worst thing ever for me. (laughs) I just want to write my books. I just want to write my books and hand it off to someone else and they can do all those things. And listeners and readers, you can do that and not be traditionally published. Like I am an indie published author and I do not do all of the things. I do have a cover designer and I do have editors along the way, different stages. And I do um, work with Heather every, every day um, on aspects that I can't or don't want to do (laughs) because Heather also designs my website for me and, and runs all of that, uh, which that part of that technical part of the stuff, I feel like I'm that old person who's like, how do you work the remote? Because (laughs) as much as I am, uh, on all social medias and, and I have phones and I have laptops and they're not actually Greek to me. Uh, yeah, I'm not technically as savvy as I used to be. So you do that for me Yeah, but that's okay because I can't write a story. So I have to hand that off to you. (laughs) I'll take care of the rest. That's true. I am an important part of this aspect. (laughs) Yes, you are a very important part of it. There's my validation for the day. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you're on social media, obviously. Where can people find you if they are looking for... um, well, we'll discuss what you, what actually you offer, but where can they find you? First of all, um, they can go to my website at creedreads.com. I'm on TikTok and Instagram. I'm trying to branch out into Facebook. We'll see how that goes. I know that there's a big book community on Facebook and I'd love to be more acquainted with, with that in the future. Okay. So back to what I was saying, uh, what exactly do you offer as far as uh, services for authors? So editing and formatting are my what I mainly offer. I also help several authors with book launches if they need graphics for their launches. Um, coming soon, available, countdown, aesthetics. And I also oh, offer... Yes. Yeah. You're really good at aesthetics. <laughs> my my amateurish people, I think, I feel like people can tell when on social media, they're like, oh, she did not do that, that graphic. 
<laughs> Sorry. Go oh, gosh. <laughs> no. Let's see. As far as PA, uh, I can help with newsletters, websites to a degree. I can't make them super, super fancy, but I can build a website and either maintain it or you can maintain it. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's other things that I'm forgetting. I know that I do for you. That doesn't mean I necessarily want to do them for other people because there's, you're special. And and I don't want to share you. (laughs) You're mine. You're all mine. Um, Okay. So maybe you wouldn't necessarily do creed reads or your creed sheets for other people, but why don't you talk about that? Because I definitely think that if people are not doing them, and even if they never hired you for that, they really should do them with somebody else. Definitely. Um, so Creed Sheets is kind of, you know, play on Creed Reads, but it's my version of a book Bible and a style sheet. But a style sheet is more geared towards what your editors need, but making it more what the author actually needs to understand their work and what's going into their, their book. So that if they need to check something or it's in a language that an author would easily understand versus someone who understands editor lingo and where things are supposed to go. Well, I know you also pull one of the things that you do is you pull things from the, from the author's book that they can then use for like graphics or promotions or like quotes yeah, market pulls and hooks are definitely something that I I pull. They go into Creed Sheets, but if I am copy editing or proofreading, I'll pull them in as well because I'm I'm a reader first, so I'm gonna read it for the enjoyment of it. Um, but if something comes along and really sticks with me, then I'm gonna mark it as a market pull, or this would be a good hook, or this is a good passage. Um, but your book series is really just a cliff notes version of your book that becomes easily accessible to where if you forget, Oh, what color eyes did he have? Hmm. Who was this character? That's not a main character because every character you mentioned gets listed. Um, and any physical aspects of that character, the relationships that happen, um, chapter breakdowns, um, reader notes, which may or may not be beneficial for you, but if you want to know what the reader feels about a specific chapter, then you could reference that chapter, and that might be where you want to change something if the reader's not feeling how you want them to feel. So this can get pretty like involved. It can. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like that that's a good thing because even I mean I've only written. I'm working on my fourth book. I feel like there are things in the first book that I'm like, did I write that? <laughs> when I read it, I'm like, I don't remember writing that. Um, but clearly I did. <laughs> it's in there. So it's nice to like have something to reference. Because uh, I, I obviously can't rely on my memory alone. <laughs> but um, all right. So we're going to we're going to keep some aspects of your PA service on the on the down low here because we don't want anyone stealing you but um what do you currently uh have spots open for I currently have no spots for December 
or January. Yeah. Um, I do have editing spots for, for most of next year as they're getting filled in. Um, and formatting is always something that's available. There's, there's never going to be an instance where I can't format your book and never say never. You might get never too busy. Say <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> you could get swamped and someone's going to say, but you said <laughs> you know, um, never, you'll never turn it down. <laughs> Ideally, I would As never turn it well. down, but, um, just because the, the turnaround for formatting, if it's not super intense, is, is fairly quick. And trying to make that affordable because it is a quick turnaround. It's not yeah. something that's going to take four weeks to do. Yeah, it's such a hard balance, I think, with any kind of skill like that, where people, it it's a skill. And so you have to pay for that. But it's hard when it's like, oh, you give it to me in two days. Like, right. I get it. It's hard to like try to justify that. But uh, it's a skill. I mean, one I don't have, nor do I remotely want to learn. So, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But that's okay. People have to pay for that. Like, you know, it's definitely a skill that's uh, that that is needed. So, yeah, you want it to look good on paper. Uh, yeah. Readers can, can be critical. I think readers really kind of forgive a lot too, uh, particularly if they're invested in characters or invested in a series or invested in the author. But yeah, you want to put out a product that, you know, people aren't, uh, wondering what the heck you were doing. Um, Cause I guess that's also kind of a reflection on the author as well. Uh, which is why when you have that skill, it's so easy for you to be able to um, get clients because some of us can't still can't do it. <laughs> no matter how much okay. coffee I drink. I'd be happy to format your book <laughs> in February. Yes. Hopefully when it, yeah. Well, I need to write it. So there's that. There, Yeah. There's that. Um, okay. So we've covered your social media where I'm, I'm putting it out there. I don't want people stealing you for too much because then you won't be able to work on my stuff and I, I, I'm selfish and I want you to work on all of my things. Um, (laughs) but is there anything that, Oh, you know what? I did really want to ask you because this is something that people, um, it comes across all the time. People have a misconception of PA services or editing services as far as um, like contracts go or um, what it all entails. Like I I know even like myself, when I first um, actually long before I started getting overwhelmed with the things that I knew I would need to do for for my book and to get it out there. and to be a successful, my idea of successful author, the thought of getting a PA or the thought of hiring out any aspect of um, like the process and, and the things that I need to do beyond actually writing the book, 
was really daunting. Um, I also kind of felt like, I feel like imposter syndrome hit me for that too. Cause it was like, well, why would I need a PA? Like, why, who am I to like hire someone or like, <laughs> Oh, you know, I hired a PA. Like, so I don't want to say there's a stigma, but I think that there's also like a lot of, of like questions, like how do people do that? Or, you know, is it ridiculously expensive or is it like, you know, hard or, or do I have to hire a PA and then you're working 40 hours for me? Or like, like how, how, how does that differ per person? Or can you change the misconception of that? I think it's going to stay different for each person as far as how they feel about it. There's always going to be these horror stories about how the interaction with whether it was an editor or the PA didn't go as planned or it went, you know, it crashed and burned. So you don't always hear about the pleasant experiences that people have. And you should always have contracts. Contracts are there to protect you, not to make you feel like, oh, I have a contract so I can hold this over you. No, it's, a pr- it's to protect you and make sure that both parties understand what's expected. I know for edits, any edits that I do, there's a contract. Um, not only to, pro- to protect me because you're paying me for a service, but it's also to protect you. There's a clause in there that protects the manuscript that it will not be pirated. It will not be shared. Um, when it's off my computer, it's off. It's deleted. I no longer keep it. I keep a file for the fact that I was paid. I keep the contract and creed sheets should they ever need revisions, but the manuscript itself is gone. Um, unless I'm formatting and then what you have to give me the manuscript back. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's also a clause in there that, because a lot of authors use pen names and for legal purposes, the contract has to have your legal name on it. For me, um, it's kind of hard to take a fictional person to court if you can't prove what their name is. But there's a clause in there that states that I will never reveal your name. I'm going to continue to refer to you by your pen name just so that one, I don't mess up and call you by your real name, but two, that's the persona that I'm working with. Right. So So is it hard to hire a PA? No. Uh, I think it's scary because a lot of a lot of authors that are looking for PAs that have had PAs in the past, there's a reason why they're looking for another one. For authors who have never had a PA, there's wonderful outlets on, on Facebook is a great area that I have found that there's a, there's a big community of PAs that are incredibly helpful to each other. They're very much with the understanding that there's enough authors for everybody, not, oh, don't touch you know, oh, I need this author. Um, but if you just kind of put out there that you're looking for a PA and what you're looking for, you're going to find that they're, they'll come to you, but you can also pick and choose and find someone that you vibe with and don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to find what you want in a PA because not every PA is going to be for you and not every author is going to be a good fit for that PA. Yeah. So, I mean, people can piece together services too, right? Like they don't have to hire you to do everything. Correct. Yeah. It can be 
one service. It can be just newsletters. It can just be book launch graphics. And that's how all PAs are, right? Like, it's not just you. Yes. uh, No. There are some PAs who require a certain... They'll have packages. So you have to have a certain package with them, or at least one of their packages. And some PAs are based hourly, um, in which you can give them a list to do and they'll do those things within those hours, but that also entails trust that they're doing what they can within that time frame. Or it can be in, like an a la carte menu and you pick exactly what you want. So I've seen lots of different things being offered by PAs. Oh, more paths. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you always have options. And you mentioned the uh, PA community on on Facebook. And again, another recurring theme that I just discussed with somebody else in another interview, it has been so refreshing to see that overall it's everyone's so supportive and to see that in like all the different like aspects of publishing is really, I feel like it's so big, right? Like when I first started, I I was like, oh, it's just the author community, the writing community. Like I didn't even think about you know, you've got narrators over here and you've got editors over here and you've got, you know, the copy editors over here and the cover designers here and you have all these different like things. And it's really vast. Like the publishing yeah. arena is so vast and to hear consistently how supportive everybody is in those particular like groupings has been really like, like I said, refreshing and kind of like gratifying that I'm part of something that isn't all cutthroat and like mean and just I I mean you're always going to have your mean girl club but it's nice to have a community where you can go especially for um, I'm part of a discord where we help baby PAs Mm kind of grow and learn different things if they have questions yeah um so that's that's a lot of fun. It can get very busy, but um, it's a lot of fun helping, really just helping them find their path because they're going to have strengths that are not your strengths. Um, the same thing with edits. Uh, a manuscript may come across and I know that it's not, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean that it's not worth my time. It's just not my strength. And mm-hmm. I would rather someone else yeah where someone is gonna have a better grasp on either that maybe a trope they're going for or a genre they're going for because there's a couple genres that they're not they're just not my wheelhouse I could proofread it I could copy edit it but I would want to make sure that I'm doing my best work and if it's not something that I would read then there's a chance that that I wouldn't want that to trickle over yeah, because if I'm developmentally, you may not know exactly. what. Yeah. yeah, I get that. But that's I think that's awesome that you're that you're willing to like it's not about money, right? Like that you're just okay. I'm this is a business, and yeah, I'm here to make money, but I, this isn't my strength, and it's not going to be profitable for the author if I don't know what I'm doing. And so here you go. You really need to go to somebody else, and I think that's amazing, mm-hmm. and I commend you for that. Um, all right. Well, I have taken a lot of your time already. I'm so sorry. Uh, 
but thank you so much for joining me and helping listeners kind of, you know, see that PAs aren't like a scary and they are very much viable option. Um, and in my case, very necessary and needed and please don't ever leave. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. you make this rather snappy, won't you? I have some very heavy thinking to do before 10 o'clock. Industry information, or maybe the anti-gatekeeping section. And remember, every author and every story is different. This week's industry advice is actually kind of merged with my author updates. And um, yeah, so I'm just going to not have really any other nugget of information right here in this space for this week. And we'll just reiterate, take care of yourself. Because your words are important and we all want to read them. So make sure that you are taking time to relax and rejuvenate and refresh and refill your creative well. And of course, stave off that awful burnout. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to follow me, my handle on all social media platforms is Liv Macy Author. You can also sign up for my newsletter at livemacy.com to stay up to date on things like new releases of the Right to Read podcast. This is the end of a page in my author life.